Christian Parenting. Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center, no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a faith-based counseling center in Austin, Texas, offering online teletherapy for those that live in Texas but outside the Austin area. If you have questions and would like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, powered by the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Doctors Jimmy Myers and Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh. And I'm Jimmy. Welcome to the show, everybody. Good day, good day in Austin, Texas, in the ATX. It's you know, about just, 145 You're degrees. flapping your mouth, and you're not saying really anything. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm stretching until someone in the studio turns off the sound on their phone, <laughs> and we stop getting the tinkling of bells. <laughs> We're 45 seconds in, and all we've said is, good day, good day in Austin, Texas. <laughs> it's a vamp. We're vamping. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah. Can I tell you a parental uh, loss that I had this weekend? Yes. So Sunday is ice cream day at our house. Yes. The ice cream man comes in by. In our neighborhood. And we've been trying to teach our seven and five-year-old. We have a three-year-old, but he can't understand this. But mm. our seven or five-year-old, you know, money and understanding the value Mm -hmm. in it and that if you buy something you're trading those dollars for Mm -hmm. something and subsequently you are now have no other choices with what you can do with that money you've made your selection and now you're moving on and not only if you buy that really expensive lego set you won't have any money for ice cream bingo so sunday comes rolling around and the three-year-old has a few dollars and so he has enough money for ice cream the five-year-old uh had just made a wager with me when he's learning to ride a bike this week so he made three dollars off of me so he had money for ice cream but the seven-year-old had well wait a second i think you buried the lead that you're teaching your child to gamble (laughs) yes he made it 50 yards without me helping him and he got three bucks off me and he reminded me of that three or four times this week you got my money he wanted a hundred, and I'm like, "That's a lot of money." He's like, "No, only one, one hundred. <laughs> anyway, so our seven year old didn't have any money. So ice cream man comes. The boys are buying their ice cream, and she is just bawling. And I'm just feeling so good mm-hmm. about myself. Yeah, you're a good just parent. Learning lessons, teachable moments. And the guy actually, JJ had, our middle had $5. So I handed him and it was $3. He handed me back two. And he's like, do you want something for the girl? You have $2 right there. And I'm like, no, this is my five-year-old's money. And he doesn't want to spend it on his sister. And he reached in and gave her a free, I'm standing there holding dollars. And he gave her a free ice cream. Wow. It was one of the biggest losses I had had as a parent lately. He stepped in between you and your yes. teachable moment. And I was like, girl, that feeling you felt 
Before you got the free ice cream, the feeling, remember Because right now you're exuberant. Yes. You're, you're like loving life right now, but before. And when mom asks you to put your clothes away for a dollar, remember that <laughs> feeling. Not the one right now with all the chocolate all over your mouth. The one right before that. The ice cream that. man ruined our lesson. Speaking of kids that get rejected by peers... Or parents. This was uh, actually a listener-generated topic, and uh, so we thought we would do this because it is something that happens to to a ton of us. Uh, so today we are talking about what do you do when your child uh, gets rejected, and that can be a lot of different things, uh, from not make the team to being bullied to uh, being laughed at on the playground. I mean, all of us, kind of as parents, we've been there. A kid being mean to your to your child, uh, if friends ignore them. Is there a time where you, in your mind, it sticks out as a kid when you were made fun of or rejected? You know, I was bullied by just a couple of guys, but it was more just like, well, these were mean guys. Just as a general being rejected by people, because see, my go-to was, I'm not one of these people that has to walk into a room and everyone like me. I'm one of these people. When you walk in the room, everyone has to love me. So you were loved by most. I was, yes. I made sure that I was loved by most. There was one time I was, it was baseball tryouts so that you could be selected and be on teams. And I was walking to the back of the line. We were in a long line to field in the outfield and then run and field into the infield. And then you would go and hit. And I was walking to the back of the line and they were making sounds like the earth was shaking as I was walking. Oh, my. The children. Children can be so mean. That was That is a time that stands out. Oh, and then they saw you whack it over the fence. <laughs> oh, plugger. Anyway, go ahead. So we've all kind of been, most of us have been there uh, when your child is not treated, because you know, we just love them to death, and then it just like rips our heart out when we think of them being mistreated or rejected when, you know, they're out with other kids. So peer rejection is actually a psychological, sociological term. I didn't really even know this, but it actually is. And there's uh, the, the definition of peer rejection goes like this. It encompasses the many behaviors used by children to exclude and hurt one another, including overt forms of control and exclusion, like bullying. But then there are the more subtle tactics like gossiping, and spreading rumors. Those also, you know, kind of the mean girl type thing fall into peer rejection as well. And what's worse than just bullying, because bullying, like I was, I was bullied. There were a couple of bullies. What's worse than that and what didn't ever happen to me growing up is the coordinated exclusion of the entire peer group. Uh, and that causes a lot more damage long term to a kid's self-worth than just a big mean kid being big and mean. And what's interesting with peer rejection and why it's a sociological and psychological construct that's actually studied is it can socialization can be a somewhat of a benefit, not mm -hmm. the coordinated mm -hmm. rejection, obviously. But, you know, if my kid goes to school picking his nose and someone makes fun of him for that and mm -hmm. he learns maybe I shouldn't do that, that's you socialize into something and you actually can fall within societal norms, mm -hmm. um, which so there can be some uh, good kind of side to 
the socialization process yes. or rejection by peers. But obviously today we're talking about more of the, the negative. Yeah. And when, when a kid or when a parent wants to say, you know, we don't care. We don't care what anyone says about us. Well, that's kind of not true. Uh, we care what people think of it. That's why, why we bathe. So, I mean, and you know, what are you going to be the Unabomber and just go up in the mountains of, of Idaho and send letter bombs? So we do care what other people, and it's not a bad thing to your point. Socialization is a very important part of growing up in the maturation process. So potentially there's some 20 year old parents out there that need to Google Unabomber. No, everyone knows that. Okay. Everyone knows the Unabomber, which was in the seventies. That's why you're here, by the way, <laughs> you were here to to correct my old man illustration. Unabombers was 80s. Was he really? Yeah. I remember Unabomber. And I forgot his name. Ted Kaczynski. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> very nice. I, know. I remember a little house and a beard. <laughs> All right. So when when they're bullied slash rejected by their peers, it's not that big a deal when they're young because it's just like, uh, you know, people were not nice to me, but it can build. And by the time they hit junior high, middle schoolish, this is when peer influence reaches its zenith. And now all of a sudden there was a um, David Elkind wrote the classic book, All Grown Up and No Place to Go. And, you know, he talks about how if a senior in high school is going to a party and he drops food on his shirt, he just kind of wipes it off and goes to the party. If an eighth grader or a ninth grader drops food on their shirt on the way to the party, they go home. Uh, because it's it's this idea of the of the um, the invisible audience. Yeah, everyone's looking at me, and they don't understand. They're not there yet cognitively. They're not. No one's no one's looking because they all think you're looking at them. So actually, no one's looking at anybody. Uh, but peer acceptance, peer influence is huge where they're in junior high, and that's when rejection starts really. Well, in lack of a better word, starts paying off with some more devastating long-term consequences. You know, and it's interesting, uh, rejection and bullying even changes forms over time. Like in middle school, it is very pointed at the individual. You know, there's groups of boys that might mm -hmm. pick on the one, where even as you get later on into high school, it's groups picking on groups. Yes. And it's less individualistic. You know, that middle school time frame is such an awkward it's time. Horrible. But particularly for the rejection, it can be so individual. Because they run, they begin to run in packs. And in order for me, well, we're going to talk about this here in a second. But in order for me to be included in the pack, which is extremely important to me as an eighth grade boy or girl, then the way I solidify myself in the pack is rejecting you from the pack. Because that's... Okay, so my father, God rest his soul. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to go here. Well, then no, this is another one. Okay. Which included my father. Okay, so I have father issues. Yeah, all uh, people are going to who are new to the Christian Parenting Network, they'll find this out. But he was part of a fraternal organization, and I once asked him, as a, a, a precocious high schooler, I was going, "Hey, uh, are, 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 what about this certain uh, minorities? Are, are they part of this fraternal organization?" And he said, now, son, what I belong to is an exclusive organization. Yeesh. And if we did not exclude <laughs> someone, it would then fail to be exclusive. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of looked at him 
Like he had two heads. God bless his soul. So this exclusion, by the way, about 20% of kids are rejected at some point. And in order... 20%? You found that actual, I would think, 90%. No. Only about 20% report peer exclusion. Oh, where the coordinated effort to absolutely... Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because, again, in order to be (laughs) included... To, to virtually quote my dad, in order to be included in the peers requires exclusion of other peers. So it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. If I'm going to be popular, that necessitates other people being unpopular. So in the, here, here are the consequences of this. In the short term, uh, our kids, if they're rejected by peers, they can uh, experience loneliness, begin uh, having low self-worth. Why is it that these kids don't like me? And also, they can begin to develop social anxiety. If I walk in, you know, if I feel like when I show up, I'm going to be disliked and made fun of, then the longer that happens, the more it starts to change. If they're exposed to that consistently, frequently, over a long duration, then I get older expecting people not to like me. And so it, it really begins to, to carve out those neural pathways that, that cause us to be different for the rest of our lives. So the long-term consequences, and this is where, of peer uh, rejection, and this is where it gets a little bit scary. A pattern of peer rejection. Yes, over the long term. Uh, poor academic performance, uh, school dropout, juvenile delinquency, criminal behavior, mental health problems. So... It's not anything to be sneezed at uh, when our kids experience this. It, it is something that we need to address and not just, as we'll talk about here in a minute, dismiss them. Because if they remain being rejected by peers, then it could have absolutely long-term, really negative consequences. Parents feel the pressure to parent well, but life, especially right now, with the COVID and the germs and the homeschool, well, it's just really hard. That's why we're so excited to announce that I specifically, they wouldn't let Josh because, face it, he's just not good enough, but I will be speaking at the online Perfectly Imperfect Christian Parenting event that's going to be coming your way October 23rd and 24th. This completely digital event was designed for parents like us as a time to set aside perfection and receive the practical and spiritual help we need in an easy and accessible digital format. And we're so excited to, or at least Jimmy is, excited to be speaking at this event. The goal is to help you check perfection at the door and become the perfectly imperfect parent God has called you to be. Okay, so what I'm going to be speaking about specifically, the title is The Forbidden Pandemic and how it's time we begin talking about the rampant addiction to high-speed internet pornography. Now then, before you go, that's gross and you wouldn't catch me within 10 miles of that topic. I beg you to listen. You might say to yourself, well, gosh, you know, porn's been around forever. This has not. There are addiction experts that feel that because of high-speed internet pornography, there may not have ever been anything so addictive that we've ever dealt with as a society. And because shame is the driver of sex addiction and porn addiction, it is especially rampant within the church. Please listen. 
you may be a little uncomfortable, but it's information that we have to begin talking about. In addition to Jimmy's talk, there will be over 40 other short consumable talks giving you both practical and spiritual advice from some other amazing speakers such as Aaron and Jamie Ivey, Mark Batterson, Jonathan Pitts, the Duck Dynasty gang, and many, many more. So register today for this digital Christian parenting event at Paradox, that's P-A-I-R-A-D-O-C-S, paradox.perfectlyimperfect.org at checkout. You'll also find a link to the event in our show notes. Again, Register today at paradox.perfectlyimperfect.org. We look forward to seeing you there. So I think one thing that we have to start young, teaching, preaching, modeling to our children, and it might be lesson one when it comes to this rejection by peers, uh, it's the first lesson I go over. You know, if we have like a spectrum kid and I'm working on some socialization Mm -hmm. with him, one of the first things is, You've got to know and accept and be okay with you're not going to like everybody and not everybody's going to like you. Yes. And that's a foundational social truism uh, that our children have to be aware of. So even in early ages when they kind of get made fun of, kind of working that truth. And so when they're then in middle school mm-hmm. and maybe experience this, it's oh, not as... those are just those people that don't like shattering. me. Shattering. Right. It's not going to like, it's going to be, it's not, they're never going to feel like they're eating candies when they're rejected by mm-hmm. it. It's never going to be a positive, but maybe you can minimize the bottom out if they just from an early age understand not everybody's going to like them. By the way. And oh, by the way, you know, Susie down the street that you kind of get annoyed, you're not going to like everybody either. And that's okay. Do you know when I learned that? I was 29 years Last old. Last year. Okay. I was a youth minister. My life depended on people liking me. My job did, because if people liked me, then people showed up and the numbers mean something. And here, and if there was a parent or if there was a whatever that had a problem with me, it just, it ruined, it just ruined my day. It ruined my outlook on everything. It's like, what in the world? What is, I'm trying so hard for everyone to love me. What is wrong with you? It would, it would really upset me if someone was upset with me. And I was about 30 years old when it dawned on me that truth. You know, there are just going to be some people. Was it an event at 29? Uh, yeah. Uh, involved a deacon. <laughs> and I'll kind of leave it there. Say no more. So, yeah, I learned that it was just like, oh my, and this weight was sort of lifted from my shoulders you know, I try to be nice and polite, and I, I want people to like. That's what you tell people all the time. It's great to want people to like you. It's not good to need people to like you. And so I learned that, but I learned it at a at a much later date that there's just going to be those people uh, that they just don't li- like the 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 color of your hair or whatever, and they're not going to like you. Okay, solutions, real quickly. First, you want to validate not minimize their feelings. Don't minimize, oh, pst, you know, that's silly. No, 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 do that. Because what they're feeling is real. And if they come to you and they say, hey, I feel this way, the last thing you want to do is just dismiss it and minimize their feelings. This is just your seventh grade boyfriend. Exactly. Get over it. Because there's an old saying that, you know, puppy love is very real to the puppies involved. And, and it's the same here. These feelings are very, very real to the child experiencing. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need to work 
to give them a bigger perspective, that sort of thing. But we just don't. We want to validate how they're feeling. Number two, are there, i.e., picking your nose and eating your boogers, are there problem behaviors that need to be corrected? Is that what the deacon had a problem with you at 29? Yes. Yes. It just killed me. So... And we need to look. Are you know? Uh, is your is your kid young and and still sucking his thumb, even though he's in elementary school now? Uh, that could cause some concerns. Or so we need to look and see. Are there some things that we could do? Could we work on number three? Could we work on social skills? Are there some social skills that need to be worked on instead of just going, eh? You know, he's shy. He's like a little Myrtle the turtle. No, no. Let's not do that. Let's teach them. Sometimes they're not good at social skills because they just don't know necessarily what to do. So we need to be proactive and don't assume that they're just going to grow out of this. And man, these are the kids that play video games all day All day. And so don't let them hide. They're simply trying to pull away from life. Because if I run a war clan... And, and my war clan has all these people in it, and, and I am and the Thor monger, and everyone loves how I play this game, and they want to be in my war clan because I'm so good at this game. Because you're the Thor monger? I don't like to brag. Isn't it the whore? Can we say that? No. Monger? No. Beep that out. Thor was like it's the Thor monger. Thor is like this, you know, the the god of thunder yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm making something up, Josh. <laughs> Just roll with it. I don't know, but he's good at it. So why wouldn't he rather spend hours a day in this environment where he walks on water, where he's extremely popular? At school, he's not popular. At school, he's made fun of. He doesn't. He doesn't socialize well. He doesn't play football. So of course, he's going to want to spend all of his time in Cyberland, and he can't let him. No, you got to develop outside of a screen hobbies. Yes, uh, and I would also say that there's only a six year period where it matters how much you lift weights and how much you how far you can throw a ball. Correct. And our kids have to be told that too. You know, that it's okay that you can't play sports as well as this group that's rejecting you. They're going to be your employees one day. Mm -hmm. And so celebrate the different passions, uh, even if, you know, if he's getting rejected by those sports peers. Celebrate him and get him involved in clubs, him or her clubs, of things that he enjoys at and excels. And there is no longitudinal study that will equate uh, success and popularity in academics or sports or whatever in, say, high school and success in life. So it's not like, oh, if you were captain of the football team and head cheerleader, then you're going to be the CEO of some company one day. Not at all. So and and our kids need to know that, you know, just because you don't have I tell kids all the time, you know, you could be the most fantastic piccolo player in North America and no one cares but if you are slightly talented in football in the state of Texas, where we're broadcasting from, then people throw palm branches before you as you walk into school. So we can't let, to your point, this very, very small window of time impact the way our kid thinks about themselves for the rest of their lives. It was always embarrassing when they threw the palm branches in front of me. It had to be. Yeah. It had. So... <laughs> 
to your point, find a strength, build on it, find mom and dad, find a strength. And it doesn't have to be, even though I think kids ought to play sports, period, in some capacity, because it, I love team sports because it does teach teamwork and sacrifice. But if it's taekwondo or if whatever, it, golf or whatever it is. And even if it's basket weaving, right? There's, there's clubs and there's people to meet that like those things. But they can't join the thormongering club. No. We got to get them out of away, that. Getting away of screens. And then lastly, instill in them that close friends, to have a friend, to have a couple of friends. That is 10 times better than being popular. Jesus had a few really, really close friends. Everyone else, they sort of crucified him. So emphasize that having a friend is so much more because popularity is cotton candy. Those people don't even like each other. I mean, they're competing against each other and they call themselves friends. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of psycho ed. Maybe some of the practical things or find something that he, he or she excels at and get him involved in a club or a group that meets face-to-face. And he can meet some people that also like his, his or her similar interests. But that's really the only practical. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is educational, trying to get them to think correctly about this. And it's allowing the, the feelings of rejection uh, to happen without the feelings of hopelessness. Yeah. And so it's being there for them, allowing the feelings, educating them on how to think about this, uh, and trying to get them one or two close friends that might have similar interests. And one of the practical things... surviving. Thing, yeah, just get through it. Yeah. Just get through it. Because once they're adults, they're going to meet people that like similar interests. And they're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, and one of the practical thing is, is service. And, and if that's part of what your family does... But for your child to go and serve at a homeless shelter or to serve at some uh, at an orphanage or whatever, then, gosh, not only as as uh, Keith Green, I don't know if I've ever quoted Keith Green on the show before, but like last time. Yeah. So Keith Green had this saying that it's so hard from one of his songs. It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. And so doing things that get our children's eyes off of themselves and onto other people that are in need, are more needy than they are, that are suffering more than they are suffering, and that they can help, they can do something to help them. That gives them self-worth and it gives them self-esteem that they were used by God in the lives of other people who desperately needed it. So it's almost like they'll find their life if they lose it and serve others? Is that what you're saying? Hold on a second, I need to write that down. Yep, quote me. Dr. Josh Myers. No. Either Totally Campolo, uh, Keith Green, or me. I like quoting me. If you want more information about this episode, then you can go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find uh, us on christianparenting.org. You can find all of our previous uh, episodes wherever you find your podcasts, your pods. Your pods. Your pods. Your casts. You can also find us on our socials at our website as well. We appreciate you guys for listening. We would love if you shared it, and we'll see you next week. See ya. For more information about the voice of the Paradox Podcast, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show and find the archive of all our past shows, go to paradoxpodcast.com. 